Daftas. Rabbi Lazar said, After the Nisuin, a man had performed his Biarishina on his wife, whom he thought was a Basula. And he found a Pesach Pasuach, he found an opening, meaning that he found no Basulam. That would imply that maybe she was Mizana. So he is believed to answer his wife on himself, and therefore he cannot live with her. According to Rashi, he's only believed Lagabi himself to answer her on him, since we say, But he can't put a bad name on her, to cause her to lose her ksuva money, or to make her answer to a kain, according to the Pnei Yeshua. According to the Taisvis, she will also lose her ksuba money. We said that she becomes Osir. The question is, why should she become Osir? It's a Svexveka. Number one, did this nus happen before he did Arison or after he did Arison? And number two, even if it happened after Arison, it's a suffix if it was Ba'inus or if it was Baratzen. And if it was Ba'inus, then she would be mutter to her husband. So we have a situation of Svexveka. And for the Gemara, either she was an Aishas Kayan, who is Osir even Ba'inus, or she was Makudish below the age of three. So she definitely lost her Basulim after the Arison. Because if they're lost before the age of three, then they would go back. Therefore, it's only a suffix of Tachtav, and it's only one suffix. The Shita Mukubetzes asks, How can we be matter her with a Svek Sveka? We know that suffix Tuma Bershus Hayachid is Tame, no matter how many Svekas there are. As we learned from a Saita, that a suffix that happens in a private area, Bershus Hayachid, that's considered a suffix that we don't call a suffix, and therefore would be Usser, and we don't take into account Svek Sveka. And since here it involves Bia, that's always considered Bershus Hayachid, because it happens privately. The Shav Shmaitze answers, that the Chumrah of Safik Bershus Hayachid would not apply here, since we're not even sure where this nus took place. Therefore, the Kula of Svek Sveka should be Mater over here. Reb Chaim tells her answers that the only time we say Safik Tuma Bershus Hayachid is Tameh is if the Safik is in the Nisen Tuma. For example, is this carrier of the Tuma a Sheretz or not? However, if the Safik is in the Mechabel Tuma, then we don't apply this Halacha. For example, was this piece of meat Muksha Lekabel Tuma or not? We know that for something to be tuma, to be prepared to receive tuma, it has to have been touched by the seven mashkais, and we don't know that. So here too, the suffix isn't on the man, but the suffix is on the woman if she, as a makabel, is muksha to be makabel this tuma. I.e., was she married to him when this nus took place, or was she not married to him? Therefore, the whole question about suffix prishasayachid would not apply. And therefore, there is a possibility to say that it might be a svexveka. And the Gemara asks, how can the husband ask of his wife on himself with his own edus? We know that there must be a warning from Adam first. You need kinuyostira. The Gemara answer is this edus of his own experience is equal to having two Adam. The Gemara says everyone who went out to war for David HaMelech would give his wife a get bitnai, and in case he died, she would become a grushalam afreya from the day that the star was written. Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel says that if a man says Pesach Pasuach, he should be believed so as not to pay her ksuva money. And Taisvis asks, why should we believe him? There's a svek svek on him. Number one, it's a suffix if he's a bucky in Pesach Pasuach or not. And number two, even if he is a bucky, it's a suffix if the znus was buying a sabaratzen. Therefore, she shouldn't lose her ksuva money. The Shav Shmaitza brings a raya from here that one can use a svek sveka to be mitzi mamun. He also learns that since a svek sveka here is stronger than cheskas mamun, all over shas, a svek sveka is stronger than a chazaka. Dafyot. Since the Chachamim were misakin that a Basula gets a Ksuva worth 200 Zuzim, but if she's an Almana, she gets 100 Zuz, the Chachamim also had the power to believe the husband if he says Pesach Pasuach, and she'll lose the Ksuva. And no one will stam come and just say Pesach Pasuach out of the middle of nowhere, since we say, Ein Adam Tarech Pesuda Umafsida. No one would go to the trouble of having a whole wedding, and then right after that go and lie and say Pesach Pasuach. The Gemara says, since Ksuva is Mirabana, 
when the woman comes to collect suksuba money, she can only collect from the ziburias, from the lowest quality of the land that he owns, not the higher quality. Shimon Gamliel says that ksuba is minatera. This question is debated amongst the Rishayim if the shtar ksuba is midarabanan or midaraisa, and if the kasef paid is midaraisa or midarabanan. People from the Mishpachas Durkiti did not have Damnida or Dambisulam, but in general, blood is good for a woman because the more she has, the easier it is for her to have children. The Mishnah. A Besulah's Ksuva is 200. So, if this is pure silver or not. But an Almana gets 100. And the Gemara says, the name Almana, which was given to a woman who lost her husband, she was called an Almana because afterwards, if she remarries, her Ksuba is Mana. This was taught in the city of Baghdad. The Gemara says that rainwater helps the ground and refreshes the fruits so they grow better. The Mizbeach removes Averis, brings Kaparis, helps to feed us, and brings us closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Dates helps to strengthen a person and acts as a laxative. And finally, the Gemara says a person who drinks a Reviyus of Yayin should not pass on Shilas since it's intoxicating. Daf A Giyaris, a captive woman, or a Shivcha, all of whom are especially suspect of Znus, and then they were freed, if they were under three years old, their ksuva are 200 zuzim. But the husband can have tainus besula. And the Gemara says, A young child who is a guy who has no father, and his mother brings him to Bezdin, the Bezdin can be taivalim, in order to make him into a Jew, even though he has no das, since we say, Zachin la'adam shalei And becoming a Jew is seemingly as chus, if he's a cotton. However, for a gadol, it's a disadvantage to become a Jew, since now he won't be able to live with anyone he wants to. In other words, there's no promiscuity for him once he's a gadol. Taisvis explains that the conceptual underpinnings of this rule of Zachin la'adam shalei b'fanav, which we talk about here for a con, is that the person doing the act is considered the shliach agent of the one for whom he is doing it for. Taisvis therefore questions its validity in our case, where it's being performed on behalf of a cotton, because the Gemara Bab states that the concept of shlichus does not apply to a cotton. This being so, the question is how can Bezdin act this way and make a cotton into a Jew and create a conversion when the cotton is a cotton? Not allowed to do that. You can't do that because you can't have shlichas for a cut. Taisvis answers that this conversion has no halach standing in Torah, but is only mitarabana. Taisvis in Sanhedrin, however, says that in the case of a conversion, the principle of zachar l'adam shleibafanav can even apply to a cut. Taisvis's explanation is clarified by Rabbi Hanan Wasserman, Zechariah Levracha, in the following manner. Conversion is not an act affected by the convert, with Bezdin acting as an overseer. Rather, Bezdin themselves are considered to be performing the act of conversion upon the ger. As long as Bezin has secured the guy's permission to convert him, they may perform the conversion without his active participation. Thus, in the case of a cotton, there is no necessity for Bezin to serve as a shliach. The rule of Zachan Adam Shleib enables us to presume that the cotton wants it, because the act is beneficial to him. Therefore, Bezin can perform this conversion, and it wouldn't just be Mira but it would rather be, mal- be valid Mira most Rishayim hold that only a mother needs Das Bezdin to convert a cotton, but a father can do it by himself even without Das Bezdin. The Ritva holds that even a father needs Das Bezdin. According to the Taisvis Rid, if a child was found abandoned, Bezdin can convert him even without the Das of the unknown parents. The Gemara says, according to Rabbi Yosef, if after this cotton becomes a gadol, he can protest his conversion and go back to being a guy, but he can only do this in the first moments when he becomes a gadol, not later. There's a machlekes of a ger cotton who is Niskaya via a bezdin becomes a ger midina daraisa or midina darabanan. The next Mishnah. A gadol who is over the age of nine who is bialak tana under the age of age three 
and we consider a guttle vis-a-vis bi'ila as over the age of nine. The bia is not considered a real bia since the basulim grow back, or a boy under the age of age nine who was bi'ila gedila, or a woman who lost her basulim through an accident, a mukasaitz, her ksuva, according to Rameir, is masayim, since she's really like a regular basula. The Chachamim say she only gets 100, since B'Metzias she has no Besulim, so it doesn't matter what maybe was or what the situation was, the fact that she doesn't have Besulim, therefore she gets only 100. Also, a woman who had Chuppah, but never had Bia, so she's still a Besula, and then her husband died or divorced her. In her second marriage, she gets only 100 Zuzim, since although she's really still a Besula, but the fact that she's Becheskes Beula. However, the husband number two cannot claim Tainus Besulim on her. And the Gemara says, the only machleik is by Mukas Eitz in the Mishnah, is that the husband knew she was Mukas Eitz. But if he wasn't aware of this when they got married, she gets nothing, since it was considered a Mekach Tos. I think Gemara asks, what if she says the reason I have no Besulim is because I'm a Mukas Eitz, and he tying it is because she had to be with somebody else, it's because of Jusa Sodom. So according to Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Gamliel Rameyer, she is believed. She, she's a Becheskes Besula. But according to Rabbanon, she's not believed. The Gemara says, once a woman is married, even if there are Edim that clearly Taina, she never had Yichud with her husband, she's still considered Becheskas Abu'ullah, and she will only get 100 Zuz in the second marriage. In Yehuda, there was a minig for a chassan to eat by his father-in-law's house after the Eresim. If this happened, and after the Nesuit, he wants to claim she wasn't a Basula, he can't, since he was Nisiachidima by his father-in-law. So that's a proof that they may have gotten together. And the Gemara says, in Yehuda, they used to allow the chassan to have yichud with the kala for an hour before the chuppah, so Yehei by gaspa, so she'll be more attractive to him. In Gol, they didn't do this. Also in Yehuda, after Erisin, there was a form of yichud with the shushvin, with the helpers. In Gol, they didn't have this either. The next Mishnah. Both an almana, who is a bas Yisrael, or a bas Kayin, get only 100 zuz in marriage number two, since an almana is an almana. However, while a regular basula gets 200 zuzim, a basula baskayin used to get 400 zuzim, as directed by the Bezdin Kohanim in the Beis HaMikdash, the Mishnah says. They were allowed to do that. And the Gemara says, For a while they raised almana baskayin to 200 zuzim, but switched back to 100, since people didn't want to marry them due to the high price. Not only were Kohanim allowed to raise ksuvas basula to 400 zuzim, but chashuva families in Klal Yisrael were allowed to be masak in this minig as well. The Beis Shmuel Paskins, any group in Klal Yisrael, has the right to do this if they want it. The next Mishnah. A man married a woman and doesn't find a Besulim. She claims it happened after Erisin, so it's Nistach Sadehu. so it's like you bought a field and it got flooded. So it's your bad luck, and the problem is yours. I.e., I was already in your Rishus when I lost my Besulim, so you can't come and claim Mechotos, because I belonged to you already when it happened. But he says it happened before Erisin, and therefore it's a Mechotos. Rebbe Eliezer and Gamliel say that she is believed, since she is a Bari, and he is a Shema. So we say, Bari of Shema, Bari Adif, and she gets the full value of the Ksuba. But Rabbi Yeshua says, she isn't believed, since she's a Becheskas Baula, and she wants to take money away from him, therefore the burden of proof lies with her. Since we say, HaMaitzi Mechavero, all of Haraya, so she doesn't get the Ksuba money. Taisus brings a Raya from here, a Techiyev Ksuba is Chal from the Shas Erisin, not later by the Shas Nesuin. And the Gemara says, if Ruvain says you owe me $100, and Shimon says, I'm not sure if I owe you the money or not. So according to Rabbi Yehuda and Rav Huna, we say that Shimon must pay Ruvain, because we say, Bari Vishama, Bari Adif. But according to Rabbi Nachman or Rabbi Yechanan, he's Potter, since we say, Hamaitzi Mechavero, Olav Haraya. Uki We keep the money where the owner has it. So he's the one that has to be Maitzi from his friend, therefore he has to bring a Raya, otherwise the other one is Potter. Taisu says that the only time we say, the Machlaikas of Bari Vishama Bari Adif 
is if the Shema is unsure if there was even a loan at all. But if the Shema remembers that there was a loan, but just isn't sure if he paid the money back or not, so then there's at least a Cheskes Chiv. So a Bari plus a Cheskes Chiv is so strong that everyone would agree that Bari B'Shema, Bari Adif. The Pnei Yeshua asks a famous Kasha. According to the Mandi Yomro holds, Bari B'Shema, Bari Adif, so why by Hashavas Aveda do we say that the loser, the person who lost the item, must bring Simanim that it belongs to him before the finder is Mechuyev to return it to him? Let's just say Bari B'Shema, Bari Adif. The loser, the person who lost the item, is sure that the item is his. The person who found the item is not sure who it belongs to. And let the finder simply give the item back without Simanim. Just say, Bari V'shem Bari Adif. Pnei Yeshu answers, By Aveda we don't say this, since this Bari isn't just fighting a Shema, but he's fighting Rav Ha'ilam, because the item could have been lost by anyone. Therefore we don't say, Bari V'shem Bari Adif. Many of the Achreinim have an issue with his tarots. According to Rabbi Gamliel, another reason the woman is believed is because she has a Migu. She could have said she's a Mukasaitz. That's a better claim. There's a famous Chakira about Migu. If the reason that we believe the person who has a Migu is because it's a Birer, that he's telling the truth, or is he believed because it's a Schus HaTaina, that the Namanis of the other Taina is put onto this one. Dafyud Gimel, the Mishnah. If she says, I don't have Besulam because I'm a Mukasaitz, and he says she had beer with someone else, that's why she doesn't have the Besulam. The other Rabbi Gamaliel say she's believed, since it's a chazaka that Benoist Yisrael are not Mizana. So she gets the full ksuba. But according to Rabbi Yeshua, she isn't believed, since we say, And the Gemara says, According to Rabbi Yechanan, the Machlaikis is if she gets 200 or 100. According to Rabbi Lazar, the Machlaikis is if she gets 100 or nothing. The next Mishnah. If people saw an unmarried woman have Yichud with someone, and she answers that he was a Yisrael kosher, according to Rabbi Gamaliel and Rabbi Yezer, she's believed. So she'll be mutter to marry Kahanim. But according to Rabbi Yeshua, she is not believed. And she could have had Yichud with a Mamzer, which would make her usher to a Kain. Therefore, she cannot marry a Kain. And the Gemara says, What does the Mishnah mean when they say they saw her speaking privately? Ziri says she just had Yichud. According to Rabbi Asi, she actually had Bia. But the Mishnah doesn't want to use a not nice term that she had Bia with someone, but rather a Lishna Ma'alya, a cleaner term. According to Rav, a woman who was seen having Yichud with Stama man is given Malchus by Bezdin. In the Shita of Rabasi, that they had Bia, according to Rabbi Yechanan, whatever the status of the mother is, the same status applies to the daughter. But according to Rabbi Yezer, even if the mother is kosher, cheskes kashus, the daughter is not kosher, since as soon as she's born, she has no cheskes kashus like the mother. But rather, there's already a suffix. So she is usher to kahuna and usher for truma. The Gemara says, once two people go into a room and have Yichud, we can't believe Adam, whether they did or they didn't have Bia, since we say, Enapitrapus Laraias. We him like Rabbi Gamliel that she is believed. A woman who is an Almanas Isa, i.e. it's a suffix if, if her husband was a Chal or not, according to Rabbi Yeshua, she is believed. And she's Kashul Lekuhuna, since it's a Svek, Sveka. The Gemara asks, what is an Almanas Isa? The Gemara answers, a case that there's no suffix Mamzerus, or no suffix Nesinus, or no Avadim, but only a suffix Chal. Only then she mutted to marry a kind. According to the Tanakama, if you call a person a Mamzer or a Chal, and he remains silent when he's called it. We say shtika ka'ida, and he probably is a mamzer. But according to Rameyer, it depends on the case. The next Mishnah. In a particular Misa, a young girl was violated when she went down to draw water. So as long as rave people in the city are ksheira lekahuna, she's muttered to marry kahanim. Since the ads are, most of the people in the city are, are kasher lekahuna, the violator was probably kasher himself. And the Gemara says, since the girl had a cheskes kashus, she gets to stay that way. Daftesvav. When calculating rive people of the city to determine for a rive kasher, 
for a kosher arrive, we can only count residents of the city. We cannot count visitors as part of the calculation. I frack the Gemara, but it should be just the opposite. Since the local residents are in a fixed place, they all live in that city, we should say, kol Therefore, it's like 50-50. So therefore, there's no rive anymore. There's no rive k'sherim. But the visitors are moving because the visitors came into the city and leave the city. So it's called the parish, meruba parish. So the visitors should have a stronger rive since we know called the parish, meruba parish is a good rive. But kol kamechzal mechzadami is not a good rive. So the Gemara answers, the truth is that we need two different rives to make a kasha. Also here, we do have parish. It's not a case of kol kavua kamechzal mechzadami, but it's a case of called the parish, meruba parish. Since the woman was parish from the city when she went down to draw water. Therefore we say, call the parish, meruba parish. The Gemara says if a city has 10 butcher stores, nine of them are kosher, but one of them is treif, and someone bought meat, but he doesn't remember which one he brought the meat from. So we say that it's treif, because we say, call kavua, all the stores are kavua. We don't know, therefore it's mechzal mechza. But if we found the meat on the street, and we don't know from which store it came from, since the meat is parish, then we say it's kosher, because nine stores are kosher and one is treif, we say, call the parish, meruba parish. According to Rabbi Zera, once we come out, kol kavua kamechzal mechzadami, that's how we're going to end up paskening, we will paskin kol kavua kamechzal mechzadami, whether it ends up l'kula or l'chumra. The Gemara says if there's a suffix tuma, which happens in a rishus hayachet, i.e. someone was boil somebody, then we say that it's tameh, that's how we paskin. We learn this from Saita, that we say suffix tuma rishus hayachet is tameh. But if it's a suffix tuma that happens in a rishus harabim, a sheretz is in a rishus harabim, we're not sure of something, then we say that it's tar, that's how we paskin. The din of kol kavua kamechzal mechzadami is learned from the Torah. In the question of rive meat stores in a city, the Chachmas Adam asks, do we go after rive of the number of stores in the city? Or do we go after rive of the volume of meat that is sold? For example, what if a kosher store, we have 10 stores, the 9 kosher stores are all small stores, but the 1 trefa store is a supermarket, and the 1 supermarket sells, sells more meat than the 9 small stores put together. So do we say that since the rive of the volume of the meat that's sold most of the meat that's sold is really treifa meat because it's from the supermarket. Or do we say 9 out of 10 stores are kosher stores? So therefore we say that then it's kosher. The Shagas Ari says we go by the number of the stores, irregardless of the sales volume. The Gemara says if we find an abandoned child in a city, if the city is Rav Yisrael, then the child is a Jew. If it's Rav Goyim, then he's considered a guy. But this only applies to the Chiv of taking care of the child. But if it's a girl, in any case, she can't marry into Kahuna because we're dealing with Yuchsen. Since for Yuchsen you need two Ravs. But if it's Shabbos, you're allowed to remove debris from the child and be mechal Shabbos. Even if there's no rive, you're allowed to be mechal Shabbos because be pikuach nefesh ein holchen rive. So if there's any question that the child might be a Jew, you have to save him. This is because of the pasuk of v'chay bayam. V'chay bayam v'loyishayam Even if there's a small possibility the child is a Jew, you can save him. You could be v'kech olav and be mechal Shabbos anyway. And if anything, the Gemara says that a Jew's cow which damages another Jew's cow, if it's a tam and the owner pays chatzinezek, if it's a muad that it damaged for the fourth time, then the owner pays nezek shalom. So for the purpose of this child, if he's a Jew, due to the fact that we paskin that he's a Jew because of raiv, the same halachic status of nezek would apply. In other words, if he gore somebody's cow, the same halachas of chatzin nezek and nezek shalom would apply also to him because he's considered a Jew due to raiv. This marks the end of the first parak. Now let's begin the second parak from the Mishnah, parak ha'isha shenes the Mishnah. A woman who became an almana i.e. her husband died, or she became a grusha, i.e. her husband divorced her, and the ksuba was lost, so we don't know what she was when she got married originally. She claims when she was originally married, she was a basula, therefore she's entitled to get 200 zuzim. He says, 
or in the case that he died, the Yarshim say, that she was a Baula. Therefore, she gets only a hundred. If she had gone out to the wedding with a veil, with a Hinuma, and there were Edim Husadis, or she went out with her hair uncovered, and there were Edim Husadis, or that there were Edim Husadis, they gave out parched grains at the wedding, those would all be Simanim that she was a Basula, because these were things that they did for a Basula. Therefore, she would get 200 Zuzim. Also, Rabbi Yeshua admits that if someone says to a man whose father died, your father owned this field, but I brought it from him, and he has no proof to this. So he's believed, since we say, HaPesha Aser, Hu HaPesha Yeter. Why is it HaPesha Aser? He came along and said, you know, your father owned the field. That's the Pesha Aser. Because now the field belongs to him. It doesn't belong to me. But I bought it from him. HaPesha Yeter. Now he's saying that it really belongs to him. So the fact, since it was, they didn't know all. They didn't know this at all. He was the first one to create this revelation for the children. Therefore, it's HaPesha Aser, Hu HaPesha Yeter. They found out from him, and therefore they were the first ones to aser it, but they were also the first ones to be matarit. Therefore, in a case like that, he's believed. However, if Adam were the ones who came along and said, you know what, your father, before he died, he owned a particular field. Then this second person comes along and says, you know what, that's true, he did own the field, but I bought it. Then he's not believed, since the sons knew this already from the first Adam. Therefore, it's not a case of Pesha Asura Pesha Hitter, because all he's doing is he's being the Pesha Hitter. But the Pesha Asur came from the original Adam. We don't say Pesha Asura Pesha Hitter, therefore, he's not believed. We just said a minute ago in the Mishnah that one of the things that would establish the fact that she's a Basula is if she went out with her hair uncovered. Raisha Parua. She went out as an Arusa with her hair uncovered. According to the Prisha, he brings a Raya from this Mishnah that an Arusa does not have to keep her hair covered once she becomes an Arusa. Only an Asua must cover her hair. But according to the Mishnah Brewer, an Arusa does have to cover her hair. The question is, does a Kala have to put on a shaitel by her wedding? In other words, she's walking down to the Chuppah. Now she just got married. So now does she have to put on a shaitel? She's married. She's a married woman. According to Ramesha Feinstein, Zechar Tzadok Levracha, she does not. But others disagree with that. And of course, Hakol Lefi, Tali Lefi, Haminig, Hamaka. Our Stam Mishnah is not like Rebbe Gamliel, who holds that a woman is always believed, Becheskes Besula. But our Mishnah says, Adim established her Nemanus. If after the marriage, the husband found no Besulam, she says it happened after the Arison. He says it happened before the Arison. So according to Rebbe Lozen, Rebbe Gamliel, she's believed because she has a Migo, and she'll get 200. But according to Rebbe Yeshua, she's not believed. And the Gemara asks, why does she need Adim? Let's just say that she has a Chazak of Besula, and be- believe her Stam like that. Our answers. Since there should have been a call of people talking and saying, you know, last night a Basula got married, since that call did not exist, there's a reyes of not having it, that weakens her chazaka. According to Rav Avo, whenever a man pays his former wife ksuba money, she gives him a shaver, she gives him a receipt, to prevent her from coming back and collecting a second time. According to Rav Papa, we don't need to write a shaver, a receipt, since the husband can simply keep the used up ksuba. Once he pays the money, he takes the ksuba, and she's not going to come and collect a second time, because he's the one who would be holding that ksuba. If a woman loses her ksuba, she cannot collect anything from the husband unless she can find that ksuba, or she has Adam who actually saw that it burnt. The Gemara says when a kala was a basula, they used to bring her a kais shal basura, a cup of wine made from gefen truma, to show that she's a basula, i.e. she can marry a kain and she can eat truma. Since if she wasn't a basula, she wouldn't be allowed to marry a kain. Dafyud Zayin, Tan Rabbanon, Ketzad Meraktin Lifnei kala. What do we say to this new kala when we dance in front of her? Beishamai says, Kala Kamaishahi. You tell it like it is, according to her beauty and according to the chashivas of her, that's what you say. You tell it exactly like it is. Beishil says, You always say, Kala Nava Chasuda. She is beautiful and she's full of chesed. So Beishamai asks, What if she's blind or she's missing a limb? How can you say she's beautiful? It's a lie. 
And the Torah says, Midvar Sheker Tircha. So Basilo says, according to you, if your friend made a bad purchase, are you supposed to tell him that he made a bad purchase to his face? We know that a person should learn to get along with all people to do and say what is pleasing to each and every person. Taisvis says that if a woman has a mum, according to Beishama, you simply keep quiet or simply praise her for the milos that she does have, i.e. if she has beautiful eyes, you say she has beautiful eyes. According to Basil, you should always say that she's beautiful because if you pick and choose certain features, it'll imply that the rest of her isn't so beautiful. The Marsha explains that the reason that it's okay to say for all cows, even one who is not beautiful, is it because, because in the eyes of the chasan, she must be otherwise he wouldn't have married her. In other words, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. So to the chasan, this isn't a lie to say The words would imply that the ikr mitzvah is to be misameach the, the kala, not the chasen, because it says kala no avachasuda. Rabbi Chanan Vasserman, Zechot Tzadik Livracha, says that this isn't true, since the mitzvah of puravu is on the chasen, therefore the ikar simchas for him. But by saying kala no avachasuda, you're making the chasen feel good about his new wife, so it's simcha that's being targeted on him, therefore even though the mitzvah of puravu is on him, the fact that you're saying kala no avachasuda makes him feel good, therefore you're targeting the ikar simcha at him also. The Gemara says in Marava and Eretz Yisrael, they used to sing the following Tekalas, like Kechav, like Sirak, like Pirchas, Vialas, Chaim. She doesn't need any makeup, she doesn't need any eyeshadow, and she doesn't have to braid her hair, and she's still beautiful even without all that. Rabbi Yehuda Ba'ila used to take a hadas and dance in front of Kalas at weddings. This was how he was Misameach the Kalas. Rabbi Shmuel Ba'yitzchak used to juggle things to be Misameach Hasa the Kalas. And both of them were Zaycha to a special light from Shemayim when they were Nifter. Rabbi Yechanan said that it's mutter to look directly at the cow during the days of Shavar Brachas to make the chasen feel good, i.e. when he sees that everybody's looking at her, she'll become even more beautiful in his eyes, but we don't pass him like this. However, the Ritva says that it's mutter to look at a cow directly if a person can control his Yetzirah and not have bad hirhurim. The Ramah says that it's also to look directly at the cow's face, only at her tachshitim or at her hair. The Gemara says if an entourage of a kala comes and an entourage of a mace comes at the same time, the entourage of the kala has the right of way before the entourage of a mace. But if the kala meets a melech, then of course the melech goes first, since we say, melech shamachal al kvaydei, en kvaydei machal. Tanarabonon, mevatlan talmud teirah lahaitzi ha-meis, ulachnosis kala. We're mevatl teirah to bring out a mace, and for achnosis kala, unless they already have all that they need, then you're not allowed to be mevatl talmud teirah. And the Gemara asks, what is the hinuma of the kala mentioned in the Mishnah? One pshad is that it's the chuppah, and one pshad is that it's the veil of the kala. The Gemara says that there are three parts to Eretz Yisrael that are Negea for Hilchas Chazaka. Number one, Yehuda. Number two, Ever Hayarden. And number three, Galil. Tafirchas. The Gemara attempts to find a simple case in the Mishnah. The Rabbi Yeshua is made to the Chachamim that will say HaPesha Asar, Hu HaPesha Hitter. Some sort of a case that's more simple than the case that had already been mentioned in the Mishnah. According to Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, sometimes a person must make a shvuah on a tainas atzmai, a taina that he initiates. Even though normally if a person initiates a taina, why should he have to make a shvuah on it? But in certain cases he does, since in, in a case of maidim mitzvahs, in a case like that he would have to. But according to the Chachamim, he's like a meshav aveda, therefore he's always going to be putter for making a shvuah. In Mesechtas Gitten, they were Mesechtas that a meshav aveda never makes a shvuah because of tikkun i.e. the return he could say in a case like that where he came, why are you only returning $10? I lost $20. So then the returnee would be called a maid of a mixus, and a maid of mixus has to swear, and he would have to swear. This would discourage people from ever returning an Aveda, because the person would figure, oh, if I return $10 and the person isn't happy, 
It'll make me swear. It'll make me say, you, I borrowed, you know, I, it was $20 that I lost. And therefore, I'll be a mighty big Therefore, I'll have to swear. Therefore, nobody will ever want to return anything. Therefore, they were masakin that a person who, is, who returns an Aveda never has to swear. The Gemara says we don't make someone swear when the initial taina is from a cut. But if the cotton comes on behalf of a loan that was from his father's estate, Shrebelezer ben Yaakov would hold that that person must swear. Rabbah asks, why does a mighty b'miktas have to swear? A person says, I borrowed $100, but I already paid back $50. Therefore, he's a mighty b'miktas. Why is it that he has to swear? Why don't we say that he has a migo, that he could have been kaifer bakal? The Gemara answers, since a person wouldn't have the chutzpah to fully lie to a person's face who did him a favor. The person loaned him money. What, is he going to lie completely? But according to Rabbanan, to the son of one who borrowed money from, a person would lie, since he wouldn't be embarrassed in front of the son. Therefore, in a case like that, you would have to swear. And finally, the Gemara comes to a maskana. The maskana of the Gemara here is that we have no other case in the Mishnah, the Rabbi Yeshua is Maida, except for the actual case already mentioned in the Mishnah. And at this point, we will conclude our share.